Okay, so following with Proverbs, with a series of Proverbs. <coughs> so um, I have prepared a little, pro a little PowerPoint with all the Bible verses I'm, I'm going to read to make it a bit easier because I know that still my accent is still very Spanish accent. So to help to follow the, the Bible verses we are reading. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the text for today is Proverbs 9, verse 1 to 6. And the title, I put, oh, it's, I put a title even today, God Wisdom's Invitation. Uh, the sermon. So we, we can read it together. I'm reading from the uh, NIV. Yeah. <coughs> Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city, Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Live your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Or another translation will say understanding, in the way of understanding. And this topic of wisdom is, is very interesting for me. Uh, some days ago, I put on my Facebook, what is wisdom, to see if anyone replied. I had only one or two replies, not many replies. But I remember since I was a child, I've been always very fascinated uh, about the notion of wisdom. What is wisdom? What is wisdom about? What does it mean to be a wise person? Where can we find wisdom? Uh, I remember watching those films that I'm sure all of you have watched sometimes, where they portray a wise person with a tunic, long hair, long beard. Uh, you say, oh, when I grow up, I want to be like him. I want to be wise. I'm starting to grow my beard now. So, <laughs> so let's see. But yeah, we know in Spain, we say that the tunic, the dress doesn't make the monk. So it's not about how you look outside, but it's what is inside your heart, actually, what makes a person a wise person. Anyway, in my search for wisdom, I went to the university to study psychology, and I learned different things about human behavior, behavior about memory, about perception, and about different subjects uh, related to, to humans, to people. But it wasn't enough. So I joined a group. Uh, at, at that point, uh, I didn't know that group was a new age group. Uh, but in that group, we studied uh, ancient, ancient wisdom of Egypt, of India, of Greek philosophy. But after two or three months, I realized that it was a bit weird, so I, I came out from there. <laughs> but not being satisfied, uh, yet in my search for wisdom, I decided to do a master and a doctorate in peace, conflict, development studies, because I wanted to find out wh wh where is the source of conflict, why people we fight each other, why there is so much uh, war, so much problem in the world, why we hate instead of lo loving. And so. I completed all these things, but I didn't find the answers I was really looking for. So, so let me tell you that after all these years of studies, uh, and after learning some interesting things, I didn't find the wisdom I was really searching for. And what kind of wisdom I was searching for? <laughs> what kind of wisdom I think the most of us search for? I was looking for that wisdom that tell me, tells me how I'm, I am supposed to live uh, this life, that tells me why I am here, that tells me where I'm going after I die, uh, but I didn't find satisfactory answers in, 
uh, to any of these questions until I came across to the God of the Bible. Then uh, my answers, uh, no, my questions were satisfied at that point. And in the God of the Bible, I found the wisdom I was looking for. Uh, the Bible says that God, with his wisdom, created the universe. And God, with, with his wisdom, created human beings. Uh, in Psalm 104, verse 24. Therefore, if the God of the Bible is our creator, uh, he's our designer, he should know uh, what we are doing here. Uh, he should have the answers to our existence. And he should know how we should live this life that we have been given by him, because he's our designer. So the designer is the one that knows the best things for his design. That makes sense, isn't it? So what does God, our creator, want for us? So let's read the first verse again. Proverbs 9.1 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has set, set up its seven pillars. Here we see the wisdom of God building a house upon seven pillars. A house with a strong foundation. An unshakable house. That's the, the house that uh, is built by the wisdom of God. In the same way, God wants us to build our lives on a strong foundations too. God wants us to build our lives on the rock. We see many pictures of this in the Bible. In the, gospel, uh, in the Gospels, we can see Jesus teaching people about different matters of life. And at some point, he shares with them the parable of the wise and foolish builders. That, I think it's the next one. Yeah. In Matthew 7, 24, 27. <coughs> we can read together. Uh, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So here Jesus is saying that wise people are those who hear his words and put them into practice. That's to be wise. By doing that, they are building their houses on the rock that remains forever. On the other hand, foolish people are those who hear Jesus' words but don't put them into practice. Foolish people are those people that come before the wisdom of God and they reject it. But when we come before the wisdom of God and we accept it and we put it into practice, God says, you are a wise person by doing that. Jesus' words are God's words. Therefore, they are God's truth and God's will for us. If we are building our lives outside God's will, our lives sooner or later will collapse. And we'll go to an eternal condemnation outside God's presence. But if we build our lives on God's will, we'll live forever. As we can read in 1 John 2.17. I think that's the next slide. Yeah. There is this uh, Bible verse. It's a famous Bible verse that says, The man and its desires pass away. Yeah. Uh, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Do you want to live forever? Do we want to live forever? then you need to choose wisely where you build your life. And 
the truth is that we can choose only between two options. Because sometimes, I think we live in this postmodern world, postmodern truth, post-truth or whatever, and we think there are so many options around, but the truth is that there are only two options. Either we build our lives upon Jesus, upon the Jesus of the Bible, who died on the cross for our sins, or we build our lives upon anything else. Those are the two only options where we can build our lives. There's nothing else. They will try to confuse and say, ah, you can choose this, you can choose that. You can. But there are only two options. Anything else where we try to build our lives will be just like sand. And sooner or later, our lives will collapse because the sand cannot sustain us forever. So then, if we want to be wise people, we should ask ourselves, how can we build our lives on the rock? Okay, if, what should we do about that? What does Jesus mean when he says we need to put his word into practice? Or in other words, what must we do to do the words God requires, as some people ask Jesus wants to? And one of the most common arguments for people to reject Jesus is that they think they are good people. Um, the Jesus of the Bible challenges us. Um, he says, no, you are not a good person. You need to be saved. But many people, they say, they say they never stole anything. They never killed anyone. They never committed adultery. They helped the needed now and then. And they do many other good works. Therefore, why do they need a savior? Why do they need Jesus? The truth is that non-Christians can do very good works. And sometimes I see non-Christian people doing even, doing even better works than Christian people. Uh, Nevertheless, when it comes to salvation, in, in regards to salvation, the Bible says that the righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even our best works are like fil filthy rags in Isaiah 64, 6. So the key issue is not yeah, what we do, what we don't do about being safe. It's, it's about putting our trust in Jesus. Although non-Christians can build amazing lives according to the world, according to the world standards, and can do some of the incredible works, when it comes to salvation, their best works are like filthy rags, according to the Bible. So we'll go uh, now to have a look to Luke, chapter 12, 16, 21, to see another parable taught by Jesus, another famous parable too. Here we see a rich man who built a good life for himself. Nevertheless, when the day of his death was approaching, God says to him, you are a fool. You have been storing up things for yourself, but you have forgotten about God. Now your life is coming to an end. And because you build your life upon the sand of men, but not upon the rock of Jesus, even though your house was a, it's a very beautiful house, everything you have built in this life will collapse. So let's read together uh, what Jesus is, uh, exactly says in this parable. Luke 12, 16, 21. It says, and he told them this parable. This is Jesus talking. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He, th he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Let me ask, ask you something. Have you ever seen a removal company in a funeral taking all the belongings of the dead man to the cemetery? No, I don't think so. No, and, and we know we know the answer. We we know it's, it's not possible because we cannot take anything we build in this life to the next to the next life. We won't see a removal company in a funeral. No, <laughs> no, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> before death, there is before death in front of death. There is no prince or beggar. All of us we are the same. And whatever we have built in this life outside God's will will collapse. Whatever we build in this life outside God's will is meaningless. It doesn't remain, as we could read in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is not something to take lightly, because we are talking about our eternal destiny, and our eternal destiny is at the stake. That's why Jesus tried to warn us using different parables to point out the same truth. We'll see in the next one in Matthew 6, uh, verse 19, 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This is again Jesus talking. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So again, the question is, where are we storing up our treasures? On earth or in heaven? And we can ask the same question in a different way. Where are we building our lives? It's a different me metaphor. On the sand or on the rock? But both of them are pointed to the same truth. There are not alternatives. Either we store up our treasures on earth or we store up our treasures on heaven. Either we build on the sand or we build on the rock. There are only two options. So don't get confused when the world says, oh, you can choose this. And this. There are only two options in this life. There are no alternatives, and we need to choose. We cannot be neutral in this. We need to choose. We cannot store up our treasures in some middle point between earth and heaven, and we cannot build our lives, our houses, in some middle point between the rock and sand. Is we build on the rock or we build on the sand. In regards to our eternal destiny, there are only two options. Option A, if we store up our treasures on earth, that is the same that building our lives on the sand, Hell is our eternal destiny. And option B, if we store up our treasures in heaven, that is the same as building our lives on the rock, and heaven is our eternal destiny. Now you tell me, which one is the wisest option, A or B? Obviously, if we choose wisely, we'll build our lives on the rock. If we choose wisely, we'll store up our treasures in, in heaven. Therefore, we need uh, we need uh, to, uh, to answer to our previous question again. How can we build our lives on the rock? And we'll read uh, the text for today again. I think it's the next one. Yeah, the next uh, slide. Yeah. Because we can find the answer here. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food. 
and drink the wine I have mixed. Live your simple ways and you will live. Walk in, walk in the way of insight. Walk in the way of understanding. Let's see sequentially what is going on here in this text. First, the wisdom of God prepares a house. This house is an unshakable house. It's built upon seven pillars. In other words, it's a house built upon the rock. Second, the wisdom of God prepares an incredible table with amazing food and drinks. And third, the wisdom of God sends out servants to call the simple, to call those who have no sense to, ca to come into the house prepared by, by God's wisdom, by the wisdom of God. This is an invitation for those who are building their houses upon the sun, an invitation to leave their simple ways and to come into the house that has been built by God's wisdom, a house built upon the rock. Now we are in the position to answer our question, how can we build our houses? How can we build our lives upon the rock? And the answer is that we need to come to the rock. If you want to build on the rock, you need to come to the rock. To the rock that God has chosen to build his house upon. And who is this rock? I think we know already. Who is this cornerstone? Let's have a look to Acts 4, 11 and 12. Here uh, we read, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be safe. According to the Bible, Jesus is the rock. He's the cornerstone where God has built his unshakable house. Therefore, we need to come to Jesus. If we want to build our house on the rock, we need to come to Jesus because he's the rock. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The only way to come into God's house is coming to Jesus first. Jesus is the rock where God's house is built. And Jesus is the bread and the wine provided in that house too. So he's the one that sustains the house, he's the rock, and he's the one that feeds those who go inside. He's the bread, he's the wine. When some people ask Jesus in John 6, 28, 29, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's the work uh, that God requires to, to come into his house. He said, there is nothing we can do to gain our salvation. This is very humbling um, because we, we like to believe that there's something I can do. Maybe if I try hard, but it's very humbling to say, no, it's nothing you can do to be safe apart from putting your faith in Jesus. Because even our best words are like filthy rags when it comes to salvation. So the only thing we can do is to believe in the one that God has sent, Jesus. The cornerstone that sustains the house built by God, Jesus, the bread and the wine provided in that house. And not only that, but Jesus is also the power and the wisdom of God. He's the wisdom of God. We are looking for wisdom. Let's come to Jesus. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, 24, where we can see this. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Uh, 
Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom of God, Christ himself. And this is what we need to be saved, to come to Jesus, to the rock, to the bread and the wine. Is uh, Here I saying that through the wisdom of the world, the world through the wisdom, they didn't know God. And actually when we are trying to reach to God, just using our reason, just using uh, philosophy or whatever, it's, it's impossible to reach to God. And, and, uh, and people that do philosophy, sometimes they, they reach to very uh, weird uh, ideas. Um, we cannot reach to God unless God reaches to us. And that's, that's what he has done in Jesus. We, we cannot f come to God in our strength and, and, unless God decides to, to reveal himself to us. So coming to an end, I will, sh I will share with you just something that happened this week to me last Tuesday at Lis Lisbeth Station. I was there waiting for the bus to Bradford without a ticket to go into the bus. <laughs> I didn't have a ticket. I was waiting for the bus to come to buy the ticket. And I could hear some somebody talking around behind me, like, and then I turned. I, I saw this man uh, trying to give a, a free ticket. He was approaching people. I got a free ticket. You, and people were looking a bit funny at him, like, oh, no, 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 a free ticket. And a few people rejected his free offer, his invitation. <laughs> and then eventually he came to me. Do you want a free ticket <laughs> for the bus? And I said, yes, why not? Thank you. <laughs> so I got it. I think, I think we are not used to get things for free. So people, they, they, maybe they were thinking that this guy was lying. That he was a bit weird. No one gives anything for free. What is going on here? Uh, but I took it. And actually, it was a free ticket. <laughs> so I went to the bus and I didn't pay. I came for free to Bradford. <laughs> um, so differences aside, God's wisdom invitation to come into his house is a free invitation too. God is stretching his saving arm every day to different people, inviting them to look with faith to Jesus' death and resurrection. As I said before, in regards to our own salvation, there is nothing we can do to achieve, to achieve it with, with our own efforts. Our best words are like filthy rags. But what we couldn't do, Jesus did it for us. We just need to accept this gift from God. And this gift is Jesus himself. Jesus who is the power and the wisdom of God. So our text for today that was Proverbs 9.16 is a text written by King Solomon uh, 3,000 years ago where he writes about God's wisdom's invitation for the people to come to the house of God, an unshakable house. 1,000 years after Solomon, we can read about another king in the Gospel of John Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where Jesus says that he is the one preparing the rooms in the house of God for anyone that follows him. And we'll finish reading this in John 14, 1, 3. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. We have that text there too. In my father's house are many rooms. So this house, the house of God, is based upon the rock that is Jesus. Inside this house, we have the bread and the wine that Jesus providing for us. And the one that is preparing the rooms inside that house is Jesus too. So everything points to Jesus. It's, 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 everything is about Jesus. Have you accepted already God's wisdom invitation to come into the house of God? If you haven't yet, be wise. Accept this free, accept it. It's a free invitation from God. Accept Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior. And you will live forever in this unshakable house where the rooms are prepared by Jesus himself. Yeah. So let's, let's finish with a little prayer. Yeah. yeah. Yes, thank you, uh, Jesus, because you are the rock. Thank you because... Uh, we can come uh, to the house of the Father through you. Thanks because you are preparing a room for each person that trusts in you. I pray that you will help us to, uh, to keep looking to you and to keep pointing to you to others because there are only two options in this life. Either we build our house upon the sun or we build our house and our lives upon the road that is you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to our lives and thanks for preparing this room for eternity for us. In your name we pray. Amen.